Hey everybody, welcome back. We're the Menchwarmers, your bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. Gabe, how you doing? I'm doing well. Booker Tov, uh, everyone listening, if you're listening in the morning, I'm doing great. Uh, my child is bouncy. My, uh, I'm enjoying the weather. Uh, happy birthday this week to uh, uh, James, our, uh, our co-host, um, who is turning uh, 23. It's actually not for like another two weeks, but uh, I'm turning 32. So you got that backwards. <laughs> uh, have you recovered from the 18 holes of golf we played yesterday? Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm a little sore, but I'm doing yeah. good. Um, I, I'm, I, it was I definitely lot. had that moment yesterday of like, like after I was home and showered and like sat down on the couch, like watching, watching some TV and like that I got up for the first time, like after sitting for an hour and it was like, oh no, yeah. no, it's, I think as we age and your birthday is a good way to, you know, time this is just like everything is getting a little harder. Yes. Everything is getting a little harder. You um, need more except stretching. For, except for my swing speed, which is just getting slower and slower. Do you think you've started to make a lot of old man noises? I feel like as an old Jewish man or an aspiring old Jewish man, just sort of like the grunts and the groans enter enter yeah. my life more. Just, just like grunts a, and groans and, and demands for whitefish. <laughs> I saw a TikTok the other day. There's a TikTok that's uh, old Jewish men. That's the yeah. whole TikTok. And it was a guy holding a sign that says, make locks 199 a pound just going come on do it do it come on <laughs> that's very funny um uh, so let's let's go through some news in the jewish sporting world uh we should say that we have an exciting interview coming up with uh emily burak of of alma uh, magazine who's been profiling a ton of jewish jewish uh olympians in the upcoming tokyo games and we get into that as it is now i suppose it is the week of the games of the 26th olympiad yeah. And, you know, there's been some Jews that we've already focused on. Um, you know, we, we had an interview. Uh, we've interviewed some of the Team Israel baseball members. We interviewed uh, Ellie Schenkel, who, who's one of the fencers for Team Canada. Um, and, you know, there's some other Canadian Jews who, who will profile as well here and there. We've talked at length about, uh, you know, a lot of non-Canadian Jews. We always give a shout out to our our jessica fox who we love from australia we talk about her in the interview um as we've called her before the goat who worth much more than two zuzim sue bird uh who we talk about also at length in this interview uh with emily uh it is it's a, a very exciting time for yeah. international jewelry um but the olympics aren't the only thing happening this week yeah uh, so what else has been going on sports uh the third hughes brother is about to be drafted in the nhl draft on friday night oh wow same okay time that there are you know jews in the of the summer games, some of the Jews of the winter games, some frozen chosen, uh, continue to add to the uh, first Jewish family of the NHL, the Hughes, Jack and Quinn. Their younger brother, Luke, uh, is likely to be drafted on Friday um, in the first or second round. Oh, that's very exciting. Um, is where's he from? Is he played uh, like major or major junior hockey? Does he play U.S. college? He plays you like the U.S., you know, under 18 team. Um, okay. and goes to their specialized high school. Like the Mighty really? Ducks. That's a thing? That's what the Mighty Ducks 2, I believe, was about. Oh, wow. Um, it is. Uh, and he's scheduled to go to Michigan in the fall uh, if he does not make an NHL team. Is there is there a lot of benefit to not um, not signing as a rookie? Like if you're a drafted rookie in the NHL, is it just like, I want to go to college? I think it's, I want to go to college. I think the NHL gives you three years of post-draft eligibility like you can you have three years of exclusive negotiating oh, so, okay so can you can you get drafted and then just go to college and then play for college in two years and then and then come to the team that drafted absolutely. you? absolutely i see that makes a lot of sense because you know baseball does it a different way where basically like you can pick a high schooler 
you can pick a high schooler first overall in the draft, you know, anytime you want. And a high schooler can just say, no, I'm good. I'm going to go to this university that I want to go to. And you're, you get compensation for it. Like you get a draft pick in the following year, but it can really throw a monkey wrench in your plans. No. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, leave it to a Jewish sports podcast to discuss the legal ramifications instead of the sports themselves. But uh, you know, every, every sport is a different one. And yes, it hockey sort of having exclusive negotiating rights for an extended period, I think has a lot to do with sort of uh, the uh, perhaps less player and less, you know, individual rights focused part of the league, Um, you know, still at a league growth and expansion of team growth. I think that's sort of something that's part of it is as they've been adding so many teams over the last 35 years. Right. I guess it's only been, been now 50 years since the league was only six teams. Uh, now well, it's 32. Let, let's stick with the uh, with the topic of draft picks and, and go on to talk about Jacob Steinmetz, um, who is, as far as anyone knows, the first Orthodox Jewish player to ever be drafted by a Major League Baseball team. He was picked 77th overall in the third round of the uh, June entry draft by the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's, oh, no, he uh, was drafted. He, uh, Steinmetz, I believe, was drafted uh, by the Arizona Diamondbacks. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Sorry to say. Okay. Uh, he's a 17-year-old kid from Nassau County, of course. Um, his dad is Elliot Steinmetz, who is the head coach of the uh, undefeated over the last two years, Yeshiva University Maccabees basketball team. It's amazing. Uh, his amazing. Twitter what bio, a sports family. Elliot Steinmetz. What a, what a story. His, his, you know, you Google him, you know, his LinkedIn uh, lists, both his, his NCAA coaching and the law firm where he also works at. Yeah. So at only 17, he's, uh, I think he's already six, five, he throws low nineties, right. He's a righty. Um, you know, so there's a lot, a, real a, a lot to work with. Got a real chance. Absolutely. I mean, I think when they're, they're using a draft pick on a third rounder, it's cause they think he's, he's a live arm who can pitch long innings in the, uh, in the major leagues. He's 17. So realistically he's, you know, someone we're going to keep an eye on, but he might not be playing in the big leagues for five, six. like if he's not in the big leagues for five, six years, that that's totally normal, you know? And, and not on Saturdays. He has, he has not pitched in Saturday on Saturdays previously, and he says he will not pitch on Shabbat no matter how far he gets. No, he has. Steinmetz has pitched on Saturdays. Oh, he but, has. Uh, he won't ride on he won't ride on buses and things like that. He won't ride now, on buses. Now the okay. other the other Orthodox selection, Ellie Klugman, um, who's who's out of Vegas, I think, was picked in the 593rd overall a little bit later. And Klug, Klugman is on the uh, Israel baseball team that's going to be going to Tokyo. And he's and been he, playing as the catcher in some yes. games. And he will not pitch on Saturdays uh, or, or on Shabbat at all. <laughs> not catch on Saturdays. Yeah. So um, so he, there, there, we had the Klig- first Orthodox Jew drafted in the major leagues, and then a couple of days later, the second. Exactly. And, uh, you know, as the 593rd pick, you know, we're talking a little bit later in the draft. It's more of a flyer on someone. I wish they would have waited to 613, just for the, nice. the natural feeling. Um, so, you know, again, someone we'll keep an eye on, but... Kligman, probably more of a, a longer road to get to the majors, but definitely, definitely lots of room for development there. You know, these kids are so young that it's like, it's so weird that ML, Major League Baseball teams have to take such a, like there's so much built up on on like the fate of a 17-year-old kid um, and how he develops in your system. So, uh, you know, obviously we wish them both a lot of luck. We've tweeted about other Jewish draft picks. It's impossible to know exactly who everyone is who's Jewish. Um, you know, like <laughs> We've you got see- a few good Mike Jacobs all-stars coming out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in, the, in the draft. Yeah, I know. There's one in the hockey draft named. There's a kid from Sweden named Isaac Rosen 
who is somehow, as far as I can tell, not Jewish. And it's like, I can't believe that there's someone named that who's not Jewish. I mean, we've talked about, the, the, there's a Jewish hockey player we've talked about before, Jacob Silverberg, uh, who's also right. Swedish. And there's sort yeah. of the same way you have that corn-fed German, you know, Jaden Schwartz from Middle Canada. You can get your Jacob Silverberg, Silverberg or Isaac Rosen uh, uh, from Scandinavia. Yeah. And, you know, let's uh, move on to the next story. We'll tie it all together. Um, we've been talking about draft picks. Uh, Gabe, do you know who the first Israeli draft pick in NBA history was? Uh, I believe it's someone who I've been told I've looked like, looked like and maybe an anti-Semitic comment. I believe it is uh, Omri Caspi. That's right. Uh, Omri Caspi was the first ever Israeli player to be drafted in the NBA. He was drafted 23rd overall in 2009 by the Sacramento Kings. Um, he's now 33 years old. And he has decided to hang it up. Uh, he is retiring, um, announced his retirement from professional basketball. Um, and, you know, definitely someone who we've talked about before, uh, had a solid, solid career in the NBA, you know, played most of 10 seasons in the NBA. Uh, he I, I won, a, he he won a, a ring or two. He did. Ring, so he won a ring. He got a ring when he was with Golden State. Um, he was with them for the 2017-28 season. Tw- sorry, 2017-2018 season. Uh, which I, I think that must have, that was the second Durant year. Yeah. Yes. Where they won. And, uh, but he was cut before the playoffs because he was injured and they needed room on the playoff roster. Uh, so he still got a ring as a guy who was, you know, on the team when they won that year, but wasn't on, wasn't playing games in the NBA finals. Gotcha. Um, he, yeah. he played with LeBron for a few years on Cleveland as well. Yeah, I think uh, so. You know, he's got some, a lot of exposure to a lot of great players and had a lot of good years of his career. Yeah, you know, uh, wasn't a guy who necessarily dominated the floor, uh, but shot the ball pretty well, shot pretty well from three, um, you know, played okay defense. And, uh, you know, I think was was a guy that the teams really liked. I know um, when I was looking into this, there was a quote from Steve Kerr where, you know, he said, you know, they loved him and, and what he brought to the team. Um, it, you know, it was a guy who was difficult to cut. So uh, definitely, a, you know, a, a glue guy for a lot of teams. Um you know, and, and pave the way for, you know, at least in the men's game and the women's game, we've had Sue Bird be, uh, you know, a, a Jewish basketball star. But Caspi paved the way for Denny Evdija, who we've yeah. talked about, you know, at length in Washington now. Yeah. Um, it's Omer, Omer ended his Omri ended his career the last couple of years with Maccabi Tel Aviv, but uh, he's hanging it up now. So, you know, we wish him luck with whatever endeavors he has in the future. I can only imagine he will be in some, you know, Israel basketball ambassadorship role. Um, For, continuing, yeah. continuing to further the game in Israel and, and, and working on that in his future. Uh, or maybe, you know, in the NBA as well. And if he wants to coach or uh, work, in, work in some capacity in the NBA, that's something we could see as well. But, uh, you know, L'chaim to, to, L'chaim, to, exactly. to Omri. Muzzle tough to Omri Muzzle on, tough on your retirement. <laughs> Muzzle tough on your retirement. Uh, you're only 33. You got lots of life ahead of you. <laughs> lots <laughs> to do. So, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye out on what Omri is, is doing next. Absolutely. Um, so one other thing I wanted to talk about, something we've been thinking about, you know, now that we've gone on the news. Sure. Um, I was inspired by a tweet from uh, one of our listeners that I'm curious about. Uh, you know, Jews are a lot of familiar. There's a lot of Jews that are familiar with the concept of Jewish geography, which sure. I don't need to explain at length. But I'll say, how do you say, oh, do you know this person? Do you know that person? I can say we played it a little bit with uh, uh, Emily in the interview you're going to hear up later on. But I could say, Jamie, do you know this person? And he'd go, oh, yeah, uh, the cousin of so-and-so and and the friend of so-and-so. Is Jewish geography a sport? Could you get two people together? You have your third sort of how fast can you get to, let's say, 
you know, Alicia Clark of the Seattle Storm. How uh-huh. fast can we get through Jewish geography to Alicia Clark? And that, and then the fewest sort of Jewish person who went to camp with this person who knows that person would win. Right. Is that not a competitive Jewish sport? I'm going to say it's not a sport. I'm going to say I'm going to make a ruling here. Um, I'm going to say it's in the category of parlor games. So in Ooh. the same way that like, um, I don't think we necessarily consider like canasta a sport or uh, bridge necessarily a sport. I don't know. People Mahjong, think bridge. You know, these are sort of on the, on the spectrum of competitive uh, thinking things, but not know, the you, most physical. Have you seen a group of men with a, a tin of herring and a game of clabberjass going on? That's yeah, about exactly. as competitive as it gets. Yeah, I would put this in the same in the same ballpark as Klaberjas, uh Klubiec, as as most people call it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and, and say it's not quite a sport; it's a competitive thing. Certainly, certainly, people have made a competition out of playing Jewish geography and finding the connection um, with other people, and and that's a thing. Um, but I would say not quite not quite a sport. I wonder if there's a Jewish geography game that goes on in like. You know, when we when they make trades in the Israeli basketball league, do they play Jewish geography in order to determine like, how to trade this guy? It's you know the, equi- really you know the equipment manager. You, you know the equipment manager. He's married to that guy who used to date your cousin. You know, like exactly. All that stuff. And that's yeah. how you know. Oh, we've traded. Um, the Maccabi Tel Aviv calls up Hapoel Tel Aviv or Maccabi Haifa and says, "Oh, we've traded uh, Omri Caspi for the equipment manager's wife's brother." Uh, who used to went go, went to university with uh, uh, the, the point guard? We've traded for both of them. I'm sure it's I'm sure it happens here and there. You know, you never know. Sometimes people get traded for a bag of balls. I mean, in all leagues, you know, or a <laughs> plane fare and a pack of cigarettes. These I, these things have happened. I used to work with a guy. Uh, this is back in you know a media day who who came up with a bit, and I'm stealing his bit here, but I'll tell you the bit that every year at you know in the in the NHL trade deadline. There was some Bulgarian hockey player whose name was Bagov Pucks, B-A-G-O-V-P-U-C-H-S. And let's pretend for the sake of this bit that Bagov Pucks is Jewish. And every time he would think, you know, they'd hear his name, oh, they're trading him for a bag of pucks, or he really getting picked up for a bag of pucks. You know, some guy is sitting watching on his old TV screen in, a, in an arena in, in Bucharest going, Bagov going to NHL. It's very good. Very, very clever. <laughs> Before we move on to our interview with Emily, uh, just uh, tie, tie a, a knot on the end of what we talked about last time on our podcast, uh, Denis Pavlov's trip to Wimbledon, um, unfortunately came to an end in the semifinals. Very impressive for him to make it that far, um, but he got got defeated by the juggernaut that is Novak Djokovic uh, in straight sets, all, all, of, all of which was, went to seven points, but you know, seven this games. This episode but. has a lot of good Djokovic hate. Yeah, we talked about it with Emily a little bit too. Um, you know, he just, he rubs everybody the wrong way. I think, I don't know who yeah. his fans are, I guess Serbs, um, yes, which I is think, understandable, I think but I think Serbian that's people and, and I guess the gluten-free, I don't even you know. Think, he yeah, makes I a think, big deal of being gluten-free, but Serbs and anti-vaxxers and like, that's it. He's yes. like, you know, a, a crazy robot. And I don't think even like tennis enthusiasts like him. Right. <laughs> like not like the no. way like people like Federer or like. Yeah, you know, I don't think he has that same sort of magic as the two of them. He's just a, a, a brutal machine. Yeah, should say as well, uh, Jewish American golfer Daniel Berger uh, finished uh, had a top ten at the British Open. So uh, nice end to the uh, major season for Daniel Berger. Um, great you know, for him, some- a great year for Berger. He's 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 probably higher ranked than any Jewish golfer ever has been as of now. Yeah, he, he's well. He's currently eighteen. He's been as high as twelve this year. 
Um, he started the year extremely strong, but he's had a top 10 at US Open and top 10 now at the Open Championship. Um, so definitely two, you know, pretty good results. He had top 10 at the players um, after winning the the the, the AT&T earlier this year. So, you know, still some meat left on the bone in this season. Obviously, there's uh, some, you know, a lot of money. FedEx stake, Cup still to FedEx go on. Cup. Yeah, no one, you know, I don't really, does anyone really care about it? I sort of, I, I don't know, I the championship maybe? Probably not, yeah, unless they win. I'm sure, the, I'm sure, Daniel Berger, if you're listening, we are not at all disparaging the joy of the FedEx Cup and we hope you win it greatly. Yes. But we probably would have been more excited if you won the Masters. Right, that's true. Um, but, you know, wish him, wish him well and uh, continued success this year. You know, he's still a young guy. He's going to build on this and uh, maybe, maybe, um, can, maybe compete for, for a major soon. He's great. I'm sure he will. Um, you know, anyone in the top 20 is really or top 50 even can win any week. Um, and we're just hoping it, it all comes together with him on a major week. And, and Daniel Berger, you've got our cheers. Yeah. If you are indeed listening. So let's move on now to our interview with Emily Barak. We're joined now by Emily Burak of HeyAlma.com. Hi, Emily. How's it going? Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, about who you are, about your about HeyAlma, and uh, about what you're doing there? Sure. I'm Alma's uh, deputy managing editor. I've been at Alma for the last over a bit over three and a half years. I was a freelancer before then. Alma is a Jewish culture site that originally launched it launched as a publication for women, but sort of realized we don't need gendered language anymore and dropped that about two years ago. And now we are a, a site for all, um, which I love. And in the past couple of weeks, we've been really talking a lot about Jewish Olympians over at Alma, which has been something I've been super excited about as a longtime sports fan and always pushing for more, more sports coverage uh, on Alma. That feels it's like a, a really uh, natural intersection with us. Um, yeah, we are the Jewish sports <laughs> podcast for our listeners who obviously can't uh, can't see right now. Uh, Emily is wearing a Sue Bird T-shirt celebrating mm -hmm. her uh, Olympic medals. And yeah. uh, we you know, I'm we're all sort of Jamie and I, we live in Canada. We're Canadian. We are obviously want Sue Bird to win as many medals as she possibly can. However, we might hope Canada wins this year. I mean, I do hope Canada wins this year. We good are luck. almost as good um, if there's any team who can do it. But uh, if America has to win, I'm glad that Sue is leading the team. Yes. And, you know, they had a tune-up game right before they left against the WNBA All-Stars. Yes. Obviously lost, uh, which, was, which, was, <laughs> which was surprising for many. And uh, not, not that surprising, I guess. For, but that's, that's a little bit like the, the Spider-Man Spider meme of, like, pointing at the same yeah. person, like the, the WNBA All-Stars and the, and the U.S. And women's exactly, national basketball team. Exactly. Not a big difference between so, the two. So Emily, you've been you've been doing a series for Alma on uh, different Jewish Olympians. I, I it's our eighteen things to know. I think is the moniker, and and I know mm -hmm. Alma does it for for non sports people as well. Um, mm -hmm. But just sort of trying to highlight these people, sort of sort of who to know in advance of the Olympics, and and also I should I should mention you, you wrote an article for uh, Jewish Telegraph as well, um, just sort of highlighting some some Olympians to to watch out for. Are there any ones that you've um, been, you know, people you've been surprised to find out are Jewish or, uh, interesting stories that you've, that you've come across in, in your research? Yeah. You know, actually most of the Olympians and Paralympians I've written about, uh, in the past month or so I had never heard of before, before this moment, uh, as I'm sure you two are familiar with the quest to discover whether or not an athlete is Jewish often <laughs> leads you down multiple Wikipedia wormholes and tagged Instagram photos. And I've sort of like perfected it to, to a science over my years at Alma and trying to discover whether or not a celebrity is Jewish. It's a very 
very transferable skill to, to athletes. Um, but going into going into writing about it, I knew only three of the, I think, 15 or 20 we ended up covering, which is uh, Diego Schwartzman, who is the love of my life. He does not know it. <laughs> uh, he is my favorite Jewish athlete out there and Sue Bird and Aslan Kart says, who doesn't exactly identify as Jewish, but he was raised in Israel. He's a tennis player, yeah. raised in Israel, speaks fluent Hebrew. Um, had a great story at the Australian Open this year. And so we're sort of writing about him, but not really identifying him as Jewish, but sort of saying like, he has he has some connections, so we could talk about him. <laughs> you know, it's funny, when when he had that run at the Australian Open, um, I can't remember who he'd be, if it was Diego or, or Shapovalov, but they, Dennis Shapovalov and, and Diego Schwartzman mm-hmm. were going were gonna to meet in one of the brackets, except yeah. they were, one of them was upset by Karatsev. And we I were so excited. we're both. They might both been, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we were so excited on this, like, you know, this matchup of, of Shapovalov and Schwartzman, like the two mm-hmm. top 10 Jews. And then it turned out that they, they were also playing Karatsev, who was Jewish. It, yeah. No one knew about it. No one no knew who one this guy knew. was. I know. I wrote about Diego's upset, actually, because I, right. I covered Diego as much as I possibly can. Um, and uh, I covered Karatsev being like, this guy upset him without even like noting the Jewishness. And then it came out, of course, a few days later. But Shapovalov really doesn't identify as Jewish. So, so we don't... Um, yeah, he, we don't we don't touch we don't touch him. <laughs> we've talked about Chapo a lot on our show. Yeah. Uh, he wears both a crucifix and a Megan David every day. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fast. He's born in Tel Aviv, you know. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, it's there. It's all interesting. But with the other athletes, I think where I started was I mean, shout out my coworker Evelyn, and we sort of just combed through the list of Team USA and um, Team Australia, like basically where. You start where you think there are Jews in the world. You start right. looking at the names. You start Googling. You get further from there. Um, the most exciting uh, athlete I think we wrote ab- I wrote about was uh, Avi Schaefer, who is making his Olympics debut with the Jap- Japan basketball team. Um, right. So he's he's, just, he's the son of, a, I think, an American Jew and a, and a Japanese yes. woman. His, but, his uh, mom is Japanese. His dad is Jewish-American. Uh, he was born and raised in Japan, and he went to the States to play basketball his senior year. He didn't play basketball until he was 16 years old, which is wild. He's 23 now. Um, he went to the States to play basketball senior, got recruited, played basketball a season, I think in Georgia, and then um, decided to go pro in Japan with the eyes on the national team and these Olympics. And he made yeah. the team. We, I had actually written the article. I'm very superstitious, but I had written the article before the Japanese basketball roster was announced. And because there was he'd been on the roster a while it was right a, a but he was sort of a guarantee bubble. that he was going to make it but it was not like a hundred percent definite um and I got so nervous because I had written the article that he was not going to make it and my coworkers kept being like that's not how it works I'm like but in my brain <laughs> <laughs> I just jinxed him and now he's not going to make the team and we're not going to be able to talk about it so he was definitely the the most interesting discovery because I think when you think about Japan's like hometown Olympics. You don't necessarily think of uh, Jewish athletes, sure. but there there's a lot of Jewish athletes in all, all shapes and sizes. I mean, between the, you know, what, dozens of Japanese Jews, you know, it's amazing that one of them is six foot 10 and, and playing in the six Olympics. Foot 10, it's, it's beyond, it's beyond. Well, to me, that's what's so exciting about the Olympics and to, a, you know, a, at least from a Jewish perspective and to a smaller extent, the uh, Maccabee Games is it takes this diaspora of both Jews and athletes all over the world and brings them all to one place. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing we often ask of Jewish athletes is, do you have relationships with any other ones? Um, and we, you know, it's always really cool. We've spoken to a, a Jewish NHL player, Nathan Thompson, who told us that other Jews have started to reach out to him in the league after he converted 
Um, and oh, he wow. sees that you can sort of get this international family and brotherhood, all sisterhood, I should say, uh, siblinghood, all coming together around the world. And that's super exciting to me about the Olympics. Um, yeah. You know, I'm hoping that Diego and Karatsev say something to each other in Hebrew. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a lot of issues with the Olympics, which we don't need to dive into here. But I think one great thing about them is that they introduce us to all these characters and player characters, all these real people, these athletes who would not be spotlighted elsewhere, who would not be highlighted, who would not get media coverage, particularly women athletes and Paralympians and Paralympic athletes. Uh, who don't get mainstream media coverage, who don't, sure. you know, we all know about, you know, Diego Schwartzman, we all, all of us in the Jewish media world know about Diego Schwartzman, but we don't know about uh, like Jemima Montag, who's this like race walker from Australia, who is very, very cool, right. very obsessed with her now. And I think that is one of the only lasting <laughs> positive impacts of the Olympics is to, 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 to highlight these types of athletes and to sort of give them the platform that they have long deserved and, and really don't get. Um, I so do, yeah, I, I agree. I do agree with you. It's almost like, you know, the Olympics is so terrible, except for the good things about it. You know? terrible. Um, and yeah. it's just like for two, two and a half weeks, every four years or every two years at the winter Olympics, I, I just mm -hmm. sort of turn my brain off to the, to the bad things and just enjoy the, the human and stories. That's they, right. That's what they count on that. I know, you know, this is a whole nother conversation, but that's what the IOC counts on is our affection for, for Olympians and our affection for these stories. And, and um, they keep getting away with all their, all their terribleness. So we, we talked about uh, both of us, uh, all of us have had the experience of like really doing the deep dive on, on someone's Instagram mm -hmm. and, and, you know, family members, Twitter pages and things like that to find out who's Jewish. Um, I know someone that uh, I, there was another article on Alma that, that profiled a, a Canadian trampolinist who I, I didn't know is Jewish. His name is Samantha Smith. And it's like, it, it, how do you how do you go from, you know, that name to assuming they're Jewish? Someone someone uh, I think said the same thing about Ty Kelly, who plays for the, the Israel national baseball team who's an American Jew. And it's like, his name's Ty Kelly. Like he, he, how Irish can you get? And, and yet he's it's, Jewish. So is there, is there a process you have? Have people been, uh, yeah. have been forwarding you information about, you know, here's a hot tip. So, and so, we, so, we and get so a lot of Jewish. emails from so-and-so's uncle or so-and-so's friend know, who says you should look into this person. You know, I think, uh, one thing I've learned is to really, uh, like check my biases at the door when I'm like thinking about Jewish athletes. Like when I first, join the Jewish media world you know I would I think it was more like Ashkenazi names I was more familiar with sure. people that looked mm -hmm. more like me um would more indicate to me that they were Jewish and I soon realized like that is absolutely not what I should be going off on Jews do not all look one way nor do they have names that are you know Stein or Witz or whatever whatever sure. you want to you want to indicate them as so for me, it was um, where I start is like local Jewish coverage, like the Australian Jewish news or like other like local mm -hmm. papers are mm -hmm. fantastic at spotlighting their own local athletes. And they often have the best knowledge of their community. And then um, really just uh, like cross-referencing as many like Wikipedia is pretty good. At, I'm sure you two are familiar with this, like categorizing like Jewish athletes or like Jews in tennis or, you know, whatever their subcategories are. Right. Um, so making sure you're really exhaustive of like clicking through all of those people. And then it's a question of like um, searching social media. Like I search their Twitters for like keywords or I scroll way back on their Instagram to see. Looking for that one menorah photo. Did they post about yeah. Monica? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I do the same thing. I always people you miss, but. 
I, I always try and find something around around December, and then it's like, mm-hmm. well, is there is there a Christmas celebration photo, or if the, or the lack of one is the lack of one telling? Exactly. Sometimes are they saying happy holidays? Or what are they? You know, what are they? What is their message to their fans? Um, but I have, you know, since since all the articles have come out, I've definitely gotten a lot of DMs on Instagram being like, why haven't you written about this person? <laughs> you know, I never said I was going to write about all the Jewish Olympians, but I, I tried to, you know, do a, a nice representative group group of them. Oh, right. we know that. And something we're trying to do on our show is is sort of explain the Jewish history of sports that people yeah. might not be aware of. Um, for example, you know, most of the history of North American fencing, I know you you looked at uh, some a Jewish fencer who's American, um, was sort of brought by Russian Jews to America yeah. in the 20th century, um, which, you know, My- things you don't know that the international community of Jews carries these sports around the world. Totally. At fencing, I did not realize is the most Jewish sport. <laughs> like it blew my mind and Mike we were we were having a a, amongst my coworkers. we were talking like what do you think the most Jewish sport at the Olympics is and you know which which one has the most Jews or whatnot people are saying judo because of Israel's you know uh, uh, dominance in judo over the years but I I think fencing I think it's I think there's a lot of Jewish fencers the long history of Jewish fencers Um, yeah I don't think I've ever watched a fencing match though so there's a lot of screaming, um, which <laughs> is, you know, know <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's sort of like 15 seconds of fury and then like mm. a light goes off and you have to figure out what happened. Interesting. It's good. You know, it's, it's one of those sports that like instant replay is, is great for has really, is really, yeah. um, but I, guess, I, sorry, go ahead. I go, no, go ahead, please. I was going to say, I would say the least Jewish sport at the upcoming Olympics is uh, U.S. women's soccer. I'm just so disappointed. There is no Jewish oh, angle into, into their into their story or well, soccer in general. Well, uh, uh, Averbuck is on maternity leave. And that's... Yes, but she, yes, she, yes. And Abby <laughs> Delkemper's fiance is a, is a Jewish soccer player. And, but, and Megan Rapinoe's yeah. wife is, is of course. And Megan yeah. Rapinoe's fiance. <laughs> oh, fiance, sorry. Exactly. But, um, yeah, that's the no closest Jewish, Jewish, no Jewish athlete in the team. <laughs> no, I've Googled many a time, trust me. Uh, well, I, I mean, believe it or not, one would also say there's a, a great Jewish history of rugby, too, and the U.S. just lost its only Jewish rugby player, mm-hmm. um, Nate Edner, Edner, who's skipping mm-hmm. the Olympics to, you know, the sad delight of contact sport-loving Jews, or the, the, the opposite of delight, the chagrin. <laughs> yeah. So, Emily, yeah. I guess I, I have a question, and, and you know, as part of it's talks about the, the whole point of our podcast in the first place, but what's, what's the appeal of, of knowing who the Jews are? What do you, what do you think is the interest in that? Because I know you're writing from a personal perspective, you, you know, you're interested in this and, and hopefully I think, and your readers are as well in, in knowing who the Jewish athletes yeah. are. And I guess the question is, well, what, what, eleva- what is elevated by that? What, ha- what is helped by that? Um, what, what does it give you? Sure. I think there is that joy of when you're watching something and you're like, are they Jewish? Is that name Jewish? Is that mom they flashed to in the crowd? Could she be a Jewish mom? And you look it up on your phone, you Google, you maybe end up on Alma, maybe you end up on the personal life section of their Wikipedia page and they're Jewish. And you're just, you feel an immediate connection with this athlete, even if they're from around the world, you, I instinctively start rooting for whoever the Jewish athlete is. I'm sure listeners of this podcast very much relate to that. Um, and I think with athletes like Diego Schwartzman in particular, like he looks like someone I could have gone to summer camp with, like I could have grown right. up with. And there's something very like familial about that, even though I've never met Diego Schwartzman in my life. I will probably never meet him. Not, you know, I'm not from Argentina. No one in my family is, but I think there's something um, that, 
there's an immediate connection to someone, even if um, there's no no seeming connection. The fact that they're Jewish, I think my editor and I talk, my editor, excuse me, and I talk about this a lot of there's a stereotype of Jews, you know, maybe not being the most athletic or maybe not, you know, succeeding in sports in the same way. In, in other in other ways, Jews succeed. Um, and there's something very cool of being like, hey, no, look, look at Sue Bird. She's one of the greatest <laughs> women's basketball players of all time. And she's Jewish. Like, that's remarkable. I think right. there's something that um, our own internal stereotypes to, to, to knock down and to rethink uh, when we talk about these Jewish athletes. So, so when you find out someone, you know, wins the Nobel Prize for economics is Jewish, it's like, you know, also a sense of pride, but more of a sense of like, well, well of course, you know, yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. And I'm not not to diminish, not to diminish Jews no, no. in any other thing. But I feel like when you discover an athlete is Jewish, um, there's a bit of shock there that shouldn't be there, because we know Jews are all different types of people, but it, it, it's still there. And I think um, that's true for many people. And I wish it wasn't. But and that is that is the world really. I, I think so. And I think it's, you know, to build on what you said a little bit, there's, you know, professional athletes, you know, and what makes the Olympics so so compelling is that, you know, these these strangers could be regular people. You know, they're not making a ton of money. They're not those you see, you know, uh, on primetime TV. They're more often than not some person with a day job who is chasing their dream. Um, and that makes us identify with them. And I feel very much you get the same connection with Jewish athletes that, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, Diego is someone you could have gone to summer camp with. It's a very similar feeling to know that you have something in common with somebody who is so, so incredible at what they so do in an amazing way. Yes. And I think Absolutely. also, especially in the, in the context of sports, there's a feeling of like, well, sometimes, and especially with the Olympics, you know, things are broken down in terms of nationality and um, sure you can root for your country's team, your country's participant, but you know, sometimes your country is not good at cross country skiing or um, <laughs> you know, power lifting or something like that. And it's like, if you if you're, if you're a Jewish sports fan and you want to know who to root for, or, or, you know, you need to break a tie on who to root for, then finding oh, out someone's right. Jewish is a, is a great reason to, to want oh, to yeah. share. So as, as someone who does not feel particularly patriotic, for multitude of reasons. And I often, I often just focus on individual athletes over, over, you know, I'm just going to blindly root for anyone at team USA. I think, you know, I think think it's, yeah, it's it's almost like um, it's, you know, if the Olympics were started now instead of 120 odd years ago, like one wonders if they would be organizing things by nation. It's such like an archaic way of doing mm. things. And I always get such a, I similarly have conflicted feelings about you know patriotism. What? Let's, let's organize it by religion. That'll be problematic. <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I, I think agree. There's I, no, there's no better way to do it. Unfortunately. I think the, the, the big tournaments I watch outside of the Olympics are tennis tournaments. And of course they compete under their flag, but you're really rooting for like Naomi Osaka. You're not like I'm cheering on Japan because I'm rooting for Naomi, right? Like you're, you're just rooting for it for her. And I think, I think if the Olympics pivot less from nationalism and more towards like these, these athletes and their stories, like before the better, probably. So it looks like uh, Diego is participating in the Olympics. He is. I think it's his first, his first one, right? He, his I don't first games, he's seated number nine. Um, most, uh, most top tennis players have actually dropped out of the tournament um, because there's no fans and it doesn't actually help you in your ranking either for the men's or women's, there's no like points from playing the Olympic right. tournament. It's only for glory. Um, but for a lot of them, it's a big deal. And actually Djokovic is going for his like golden slam, which I has know. only been achieved once. 
that that I'm robot. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm re- I root against. I guess I would say I always root against Djokovic, no matter I, who I, he's playing. I think we can always agree on that. Somehow COVID yeah. managed to seem to make him stronger, which also made, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I really I he's my least. I guess he's. I'm always rooting against Djokovic. Oh, yeah. That's my one true allegiance. <laughs> I think I feel like he resembles like the number two Bond villain in a movie you know he gives me like real like real villain vibes whenever he whenever he plays but this is about Jewish athletes you don't need to talk about him Um, (laughs) (laughs) the other I'm trying to think of other um, Jewish athletes I was very excited to learn about well, Jessica Fox, the uh, canoeist from yeah, Australia, yeah. I think is a real is a real medal potential. Yeah, she actually is the daughter of two Olympians. Exactly, um, her yeah. mom, uh, Miriam Jerusalem. I'm gonna mispronounce. Uh, Yer- yeah, Yerushalmi. Yeah, you. Yeah, uh, she won. She won bronze in canoe slalom, and um, for many years, uh, men got to compete in two types of canoe racing or kayak racing, mm-hmm. and women only got one. And this is the first year that women will be able to compete in both events. Right. which is fantastic. So Jessica Fox actually has the opportunity to medal not once, but twice for the first time. Yeah. And then exciting. I think, um, I think Alex Kleiman, the beach volleyball player mm-hmm. is a uh, part of a twosome that, that has a real chance yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, US, US beach number volleyball. Two, she's beach volleyball. She's also another very tall Jew along with Avi <laughs> Schaefer. Um, and she is ranked number two in the world. So, and she only started playing beach volleyball in 2017. Right. Uh, so- she had played indoor volleyball for a decade before that. This is this is getting a little Jewish geography here, but Canada had a all Jewish beach volleyball team at the last Olympics. Oh wow! Um, and Rio and London, uh, Binstock and Schachter were the names. Oh. Where I've been obviously, and they're you Great know from names. Toronto, and uh, uh, they were the the beach volleyball team. So I bet you there's a Jewish beach volleyball history in there somewhere too. Yeah, um, that that article's waiting to be written. The the secret Jewish history <laughs> of beach volleyball. <laughs> The, the other the, the other one I'd like to highlight, and, and I, I someone you haven't mentioned, but we've kept an eye on her because she's Canadian, but Sharon Fitchman, uh, who's going to be representing Canada for the women's doubles tennis, um, definitely oh. someone to watch out for. And, you know, I think it like has a good chance to a uh, good chance to medal just because, you know, tennis is weird. I feel like any of the tournament <laughs> ones. Yeah. No, but it's like tennis it's like it, it's like the guys who made it to the to the final, the guy who made it to the finals and semifinals in Wimbledon. Like some of these guys were not, you know, they weren't the best in the world. They just you got you got Federer on a bad day and, and totally make it through. So totally. The and, other the other two I want to talk about is uh, Maru Tafiri. Also, my apologies for terrible pronunciation. Uh, he's an Israeli marathon runner, and he 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 ran in the 2016 Olympics. But him and his wife Salam will be the first married couple to represent Israel at the Olympics. Right. Very cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. It is extremely very cool. cool. Um, very athletic couple. <laughs> and you don't. It's funny here. You see, you know, the marathon is another sport. Jews aren't particularly known for endurance sports, let alone at you know sports in general. It's it's. And I say this as a second stereotype, but unfortunately, it's true as we see a lot of Jewish people as sort of the big, strong baseball player or boxer, not necessarily a lean, mean grinder uh, like this couple is, like the two Israelis. You know, I I hate to say it, but like, you know, a lot of Jews, we do a lot better promoting guys like Or Sassoon than we do at at, uh, uh, Meru Tafiri. Yeah, and I think it I think it goes to back to what we were talking about is what is in our mind is the stereotype of what a Jewish person is or what a Jewish athlete is. And I think the Jewish community really has to recognize that Jews all don't look one way. Jews come from all sorts of different backgrounds, all different ethnicities and 
body types and, and <laughs> tall versus short, you know, I really, I really, there's a lot of uh, racial diversity in the Jewish community that I think is not, um, not recognized always. And I think especially in conversations around sport and Jewish sport, uplifting those who don't necessarily look like uh, Diego Schwartzman, I guess, for <laughs> lack of a better comparison. Well, do you feel like part, really of, part of, do you feel like part of your, your love of Diego is that he is sort of like, I don't want to say archetypal, but you know, being a five foot seven man, it, you know, the fact he's not look, five foot seven, but yes, yes, I think. <laughs> How tall is he? He's he's really like five foot four. It's oh, the five foot seven wow. is a is a false listing. Okay. Um, but I, I yes, I do think there is something about Diego that feels like I could have grown up with him, and there's something that like me as a New York Jew is like cheering this guy on who looks like a guy I went to high school with again. Like, tr- like he just looks seems familiar. But I right. think it is our responsibility in Jewish media, not just to like uplift and center the voices of those like really familiar, familiar faces. And of course it's important to cheer them on, but also like show that there is like a real diversity of Jewish athletes and Jewish athletics out there. And, and um, we've talked about this in sports too. We've got marathoners and race walkers and Paralympians and canoeists, totally. you know, like it's a great opportunity totally. for, for and, you know, I know it's a small community, but for us all to participate in the marketing of these non big money sports and athletes. And um, this is their like one moment. And if we can extend that moment further, it's like for the betterment of, of all, I believe it gives less power to the Olympics and more power to the athletes in, in year round time. And are you born and raised in New York? You just brought yes. that up. Is that your, your whole yes. thing? No, no. <laughs> I don't know. It's my whole no, thing. But, I just mean uh, background. I, you know, uh, all my grandparents uh, grew up in New York. I grew up in the suburbs. Uh, I live in New York City now. I don't foresee myself ever li- leaving New York. So it's, I guess it's, I guess it's my whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that. We mentioned the Israeli baseball team earlier, and a number of mm-hmm. the guys on that team are actually kids from Westchester who yeah. have, uh, you know, here's some Jewish geography. You know, Jonathan DeMarte, it, you know, grew up with my first cousin. And you got, oh, you wow. get stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it is fun. really, a lot of these people are actually people we went to camp with or could have. <laughs> and, uh, Emily, we you know, know, we know, know you're not a, not a big baseball fan, but you know, the Israel baseball team, they're barnstorming <laughs> their way around New York right now. You know, I think I have the least interest in baseball out of any <laughs> Olympic sport. And I'm so sorry to all the baseball fans. I just like cannot bring myself, um, that's okay. To I think, care I think, or to watch. You know, between we'll pick up your slack. You know, between okay. all, everyone <laughs> in, the, in the larger Jewish media. I, I you know, I think you know, you everyone is very into baseball. I'm exactly. the only one that's like, I don't, I don't care. I'm sorry. It is very exciting that Team Israel is is is, is in the baseball tournament. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll say, I'll, I'll allow that. Um, well, I think we should probably wrap it up there, Emily. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you can list, you can find all of Emily's work at heyalma.com. Um, or on her Twitter page, do you have a Twitter handle? Yeah, Emily? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at mburak. And her 18 Burak. things to know about various Jewish athletes, um, including uh, playing cards, or sorry, you know, trading yeah. cards for each athlete. Digital trading cards. Yeah. Digital trading cards at the bottom. That, that maybe um, maybe the next move is to turn those into an NFT, and uh, <laughs> you can get the Jewish community behind you. <laughs> Except I think uh, maybe oh, we're man. too smart to fall for that scam. Or, or <laughs> bad for the environment too. Yeah, they're not good. Somehow, for, they're not somehow good they're bad. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand either. It I, I, what is the blockchain? Well, just conceptually. We definitely, we definitely don't have time for that. <laughs> but we'll share those trading cards on our social media uh, and as well as post uh, you know, Emily's collection of Jewish athletes to watch. 
um, so you guys could find it. Emily, uh, before we go, is there anything you'd like our audiences to look out for from you or uh, Alma over the next couple of weeks or months? Um, no, but I would love to be getting tips about Jewish athletes like you two are. So, so <laughs> absolutely send, send those, send those any, Emily's. Maybe away. I'm cursing myself with that yeah. call, but yeah. I really, careful what you I, wish for, but every email you send to us also send to her. Why not? <laughs> Just CC me. I don't need it. Yeah. Uh, no, so Emma, but seriously, thank you for having me on. I, I love, love so much for coming to the Olympics. Yeah, and we wish you, we wish you many very early mornings uh, getting up to watch live live Olympic coverage of uh, of your favorite <laughs> Jewish athletes in Tokyo. It's going to be such a slog. Oh man, the time zones, the time zones. Anyways, th- thanks so much for joining us. All right, bye. Well, thanks so much, to Emily, for coming on the show. Wasn't that a blast, Jamie? Yeah, nice to talk to someone who struggles with the same uh, issue we have of, of just trying to figure out who's Jewish based on like internet uh, detective. I, I really identified with her searching on uh, Instagram, trying to find that that one Jewish post of a happy Hanukkah or happy holidays uh, instead of Merry Christmas. I know you have to, we kind of have to go down the, the rabbit holes of Wikipedia. Local media is a great type and the occasional visit to Stormfront to find out who the Nazis are identifying as Jewish. Absolutely. We can use that information as well. Uh, so thanks to Emily, you could find her writing at Alma, that's heyalma.com, as well as her personal social media uh, on Twitter and Instagram at mburak, that is at E-M-B-U-R-A-C-K. We're going to put our uh, the links to her Jewish Olympian profiles and some of the trading cards uh, online uh, on our uh, our social feeds. You can find them there as well as on hers. Um, and uh, an essay she wrote on Diego Schwartzman that we'll also post on our feeds for you guys to find. Yeah. Uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, please do at Menschwarmers. Um, you can find links to all our podcasts and uh, writing as well as, you know, as many articles we can find uh, during the week about Jews and sports. We're also going to be hosting an event uh, online through Zoom um, on August 5th that's sort of promoting and talking about the Jewish sports stories that have gone on during the Olympics. That'll just sort of sort of be towards the end of the Olympics. Um, we're partnering with uh, Stand With Us Canada uh, a, a, an organization that's devoted to ending hate against Jews. If you'd like to see our beautiful smiling faces and hear about what's happening with the Jewish Olympians sort of as they happen at a live Q&A and a live host, we'll be there providing some insight. Absolutely. And I think that's just part of our, our overall Olympic coverage. Um, you know, this is this is the last few months have all been part of it. Profiling Olympians, um, hopefully having hopefully having some more writing up on uh, the CJN website about uh, Olympians and uh, Canadian Jewish Olympians and, and other Jewish Olympians to follow. Um, so you keep up to date with us at uh, the CJN.ca, the CJN Lounge on Facebook, and again, Menschwarmer's Twitter. Um, and please like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, review us and, and recommend us to any of your nieces or nephews who might might have a future in sports absolutely we get we get a lot of love from the grandparents and the uncles and the aunts so let's keep let's keep that love coming uh and and send us anything you want We're, we love to chat on twitter we love to chat anywhere uh, and thanks again for listening as well